We're going to be uh, in, in James as well as in the book of, of Proverbs today um, and continuing a sermon series that we're entitled Rhythms, uh, Life on Mission Together. Uh, here at TCC, our mission is to multiply disciples who delight in, declare, and display the gospel in all of life and for the good of our community. The, the core of our mission is to multiply disciples. That means uh, to be people who know and follow Jesus um, as well as to help others do the same. That's, that's, that's who we are. And part of what we think it means uh, to, to follow Jesus is to, is to not just do stuff for Jesus, but to really love Jesus. Like we believe he's the thing that should be above everything, the name above every other name, just like we just saying that we treasure him above everything. That's what it means to delight in him. And when we delight in him, uh, our lives are changed. And what happens is we begin to, to show and tell. We begin to display and declare the gospel and the way that we live. And we don't just do that on Sunday. Uh, we do that throughout all life. We don't just do that in certain sets of relationships. We do that in all of our relationships. We don't do that in certain spaces. We do it in all spaces. And we believe as we live out our faith, we will be the kind of people who not only lift up Christ, but who will seek the good of our community. Uh, to, to really boil it down, we, we come up with a lot of words to say what Jesus said pretty succinctly when he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the, the core of who we are and what our mission is. It's what we do. Uh, well, how we do it uh, is, is our strategy. We, we believe that the gathering of the church is, is vital to the life of the church. The scriptures tell us not to forsake the gathering together, to, to be here, to worship, to hear the teaching of God's word, to, to not only come and receive something, but when we gather, we come and we give something, not just financially, we give of ourselves to one another, that our life uh, that we share with one another, the conversations that we have, the encouragement, the burdens that we share, the praying, all of those things happen when we're together. It's vital for the church to, to gather. But when you think about it, uh, we gather maybe for, for two hours, depending on how long my sermon is today, maybe three. Uh, but we, we gather for a short period of time, but then we spend the vast majority of our time scattered. And so what do we do when we scatter? What we do when we scatter is we live our lives intentionally in the places that, that God has put us and with the people that he has put around us with gospel intentionality. This is what we call missional rhythms. Missional rhythms are the practices that are woven into our lives that we, uh, we carry out with this sense of gospel intentionality, with a desire for the gospel to inform our hearts as we live our lives, as well as for the gospel to compel us towards others, seeking that they might know and follow Jesus. This is uh, at the core of, <clears throat> of our mission. The, the other aspects of our mission are our groups uh, as we gather together in small groups, which is kind of our, our way of, uh, of, of really meeting Jesus together, of doing life together uh, beyond just a large gathering. And then we see the importance of, uh, of growing, and we do that through through, through equip classes and through personal discipleship. And we see the importance of generosity, of giving and back in response to what the Lord has given us, as well as going, believing that God uh, has sent us. He's given us his spirit and has sent us to be his witnesses. Now, last week, I'm reviewing all of this because what's really important in all of this as we connect our mission and our strategy is when we think about what we're doing and how we do it, I don't want it to be disconnected from who we are. The identity that God has given us, not just as individuals, identity, uh, though we use it individually in our culture, identity in the Bible is largely corporate language. It's who we are as a people. Uh, and God has a plan for his people and our identity as God's people. Uh, you could sum it up in three ways. Uh, 
We are a family of servants and of missionaries. We're a family because God's our father, and he calls us his children and one another, brothers and sisters in Christ as the church. We're, we're servants because Jesus is our king, and we serve him by serving others. And we're missionaries because the Spirit has come to us who have trusted in Christ and indwells us and then empowers us to be witnesses for Christ's sake uh, in, uh, in every place that God sends us, even to the ends of the earth. Our identity is grounded, uh, it grounds everything else that we do. Uh, and if, if, we, if we don't understand our identity, that this is who we are because of what Christ has done for us, his death, his resurrection is the defining reality of who we are. Then as we carry out our strategy and we try to accomplish our mission, we'll, we'll get weary, perhaps we'll get discouraged, perhaps we'll even become self-righteous. We need our identity to be grounded in who Christ is and who he's called us to be as a family of servants and of missionaries. This is vital to carrying out our mission. And now, these missional rhythms that we talked about, um, <coughs> I'm sorry, Alex, I'm giving you a run for your money on keeping up with these slides here. Um, <coughs> Uh, th- these missional rhythms that we're talking about um, <clears throat> are, are kind of summed up in this acronym to, to help us remember them. This isn't unique to me. I haven't uh, had a unique thought pretty much my whole life. Um, uh, but uh, nonetheless, um, uh, these resources or this, this resource is something that uh, we've adopted from a ministry called Saturate and uh, an author, Jeff Vanderstelt. Uh, these are things that we do in everyday life. Uh, my favorite is eating. Um, but uh, these are things that we do in everyday life um, that, uh, that when we think about uh, what God's calling us to, we're to approach these things with the type of gospel intentionality that I've been talking about. Last week we talked about what it means to be a blessing. God has uh, blessed us in Christ, and in turn we're to be a blessing. Today we're going to talk about listening, uh, and in the following weeks we'll talk about these other ones. Listening, uh, in many ways, isn't one that you typically think about. Uh, as a rhythm. It kind of sounds strange, right? Uh, what do you mean by uh, listening as a rhythm? Well, listening is, is in many ways a subset of a broader rhythm, something that you do every day, uh, multiple times a day, um, and that's conversation. Uh, the thing that you do uh, in your everyday life is you, I hope, at some point, talk to someone, right? Um, that we have conversations with people, whether it's at work, whether it's with our family, whether it's with our friends, whether it's with a stranger, wh- whatever it may be. Maybe it's in our leisure, a game we play. Maybe it's uh, in, uh, in some hobby or something else. We, we're always talking to people. That's just part of what we do. And so one of the reasons we're talking about missional rhythms is we want to we think about our mission and what God's calling us to, not just as the special events that we do. Like, that's important. There's some things that we have that we do as a church that we feel like are helpful that you can invite people into and they can be a part of. But really, the, the key to living on mission is to see our whole life uh, and all the aspects of our life is a part of what God wants to, he, how he wants to use us in these areas and in these ways. And one of the things that we do, you don't have to add this to your schedule. You're already doing this, is my guess. The question is, how, are, how well are we doing at it? Uh, are we doing it unto the Lord and using it um, in a way that furthers his purpose? And, and that idea of listening, which is key to conversation, is one of the missional rhythms that we want to cultivate, that we want to grow in. Now, 
this is a risky sermon to preach with my wife being present, um, <clears throat> as uh, she could tell you perhaps uh, how well I've applied any of this uh, to my life. But, um, but I'm going to, to risk doing so and uh, recognize that all of us, uh, as we talk about these missional rhythms, they're being cultivated, right? It's not like, it's not like you got you know, a metal detector in the ground, you're looking for stuff, and it's like, ding, 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 found it. No, it's something that you have to grow. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, you can walk around and find metal with a metal detector. It's, that's one thing. It's another thing to, to cultivate something, to grow something. These are things that you don't just find. These are things that you grow in. Um, and listening is something that we can all grow in. Now, it's been said that some people think listening is what you do between opportunities to say something. Um, uh, that, that idea of you're just kind of waiting for your response, right? Like you, maybe you hear them, but you, you mostly are thinking about what you want to say next. Or uh, another, another author said, most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Uh, they, they have in their mind what they want to say. Um, we, we can do this in small ways when we're resolving an issue and we think we know the answer and and no matter what anybody else says, they just need to hear what we have to say so that that can solve the problem. Um, it happens in arguments and in conflict uh, where uh, something that's offended us is paramount in our mind. And, and all that we're thinking about is speaking to that issue rather than hearing and understanding the other person. So when I talk about listening, I don't want you to think that it's just what you do in between waiting to reply. Instead, I, I want us to have, uh, if you will, a uh, uh, and I, uh, maybe a, a Christian discipline of listening, an idea of what a Christian discipline of listening is. Uh, and it's this. It's seeking to understand others. Understand is, is the key. You're not just hearing people. You're, you're understanding them, which means you value them and you value what they're talking about. You're seeking to understand others with the desire of seeing God work in their life. Now, do you have to be a Christian to be a good listener? No. As Christians, should we care about how we listen? Yes. And in fact, we're going to see that God has a lot to say about listening. In the end, what I want us to understand is that listening is a skill that we cultivate because we love people. To, to love others in part requires that you care and value them enough to want to understand what they're going through, want to, to know what they're talking about, want to know the things that they are enjoying and rejoicing in, as well as the burdens and the struggles that they're facing Listening is a skill that we cultivate because we love people. Now, <clears throat> over the past uh, year or so, maybe, I think it was early in the pandemic in particular, I remember uh, driving <coughs> to do, uh, we were doing sermon recordings back then and showing everything online, and I remember driving and there was a billboard not far from my house <coughs> that, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was something like, uh, do you need to talk to someone? call, you know, whatever the number was. And I thought to myself, like, that's it? Like, that's the, that's the spiel? Like, do you want to talk? Call, call this number. There'll be somebody on the other line to talk to you. And I thought, man, we have a, we have a listening crisis. Uh, if, if you need, or a relationship crisis, perhaps, if we need to call this number in order to have somebody to just listen, to just talk to us. 
Uh, and, and as I thought about that in, in light of preparing for the sermon, I've seen a number of other services. Obviously, in the midst of COVID, everything's gone online. All your doctor's appointments, all these other things have gone online. Well, a lot of digital online therapy services have, have popped up, and many of them are providing great services that, that are needed, particularly by trained you know, professionals that can help you. But one in particular service caught my eye. It's called Seven Cups, I think short for Seven Cups of Tea. Um, and it's just a, it's not a therapy service uh, by licensed professionals, but they have trained listeners that you can call and talk to. And the CEO in an interview said the vast majority of people are not struggling with any really significant disorders. They're just going through a hard time. Maybe their kids are overwhelming. Check. Um, <coughs> maybe their marriage is not working out. Uh, that can happen. Um, they may have a lot of questions about things like, is this normal? They feel like they can't talk to anyone about it. Um, <coughs> the CEO's name is Moriarty, uh, and if you ever watched uh, Elementary Sherlock Holmes, it threw me off when I saw that. I was like, "This is the this is, I can't trust the CEO," you know. But that's another story. Uh, but the the CEO said they just want to share it with someone. They just want to talk to someone. In other words, people are going through life, and life can be difficult. Relationships can be hard. There are things that we want to talk about. Maybe we don't feel like we have the space to talk about them. Maybe we don't feel like anyone cares. Maybe we don't feel like anyone would listen. We need someone to not only talk through these things, but also help us figure out how to make sense of these things. They just want someone to share with, is what the CEO said. <clears throat> it's a pretty astounding reality um, that, uh, that there's a need for this service. Uh, and, and there's, I think, this thing that's revealed by all of this, that people are starving for relationships, meaningful relationships with meaningful conversation where people really listen, where they listen with a desire to understand, uh, with for the purpose of understanding, with a desire to see God work in their life. Well, curious uh, about all this, I looked up their website and started trying to figure out how it worked. And one of the things that caught my eye on the website is they have this section called listener reputation. Uh, apparently, the trained listeners have a kind of a uh, a way in which they can increase their score so that when people go on to the app, they can see which, who's the best listener, you know, who's the best listener available. And you can become, you can increase your listener reputation by doing these various trainings and stuff like that that they have. But then it's largely measured by like how many people like give you hearts, I guess, in the conversation and other things like that. But um, <coughs> they, they have this rating system uh, that goes from novice to epitome, I guess, like the epitome of a good listener. And there's like 40 different ratings. This was, to me, the key that this probably isn't going to last. But uh, they have 40 different ratings. Uh, some of them that stuck out to my eye was connoisseur, virtuoso, paragon. These were all categories. The one they were missing was aficionado. I thought that was a missed opportunity. They could have included that in their 40 uh, you know, different types of deal. But th the silly rating aside, what struck me is the idea of a listener reputation. What is, what is my listener reputation? Not for the sake of this service. I didn't sign up. This is my, my, my only job. Um, but what's my listener reputation? What's your listener reputation? That's a, a provoking thought and one that I think um, we should keep with us as we look at God's word. I want you to turn to Proverbs. Proverbs 18, you'll see these up on the screen as well. Um, <clears throat> God's Word has a lot to say about listening, and particularly there's a lot of wisdom 
that relates to what it means uh, to listen as well as to be someone who doesn't listen well. Um, in particular, Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. A, a failure to seek to understand, Proverbs says, is foolish. And ultimately, it's selfish. It's driven by a desire to express self rather than understand others. The, the driving desire of a foolish person is expressing themselves rather than understanding others, is what Proverbs says. And Proverbs 18, same chapter, verse 13, a little bit further down, goes on to say, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. I think sometimes when we think about people that are impressive in our culture, they're the self-assertive ones, the ones who uh, are confident and who seemingly know what to do and have a plan. And, of course, that's good to have a plan and, you know, to, to have some self-confidence and all those things. But um, <coughs> wisdom, Proverbs is telling us, isn't just plodding through a conversation um, and, and kind of getting to the point and getting it done all for the sake of efficiency, but wisdom is truly listening, slowing down and stopping to listen so that we understand. In fact, Proverbs is continually holding up the value of understanding, of being a man or a woman of understanding. If you just go in your, your Bible app or whatever you look to search uh, the Bible, you can just search understanding in Proverbs, and it's filled uh, with this idea of understanding the importance of, of not only hearing people, but really understanding of, of knowing what they're talking about, identifying what they're talking about, paying attention, caring. And it's, it's folly, Proverbs says, to answer without listening. In fact, uh, Proverbs tells us that you can, be, you can appear wise if you just don't talk too much. Uh, Proverbs uh, 17 uh, 28, 27 to 28, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. He who, has, uh, who is cool in spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Um, <clears throat> I, I used to joke that that was my life verse, uh, just verse 28. Like just <laughs> if I just kind of mostly keep quiet, maybe people think I actually know what I'm talking about or know when I do talk that I'll, they'll know what I'm talking about. But all of it to say there's, there's great wisdom in, in, in waiting, being patient, being, as, as we'll look at in a minute, as, as we heard in our scripture reading, James says being slow to speak, which means you're valuing other people, listening to what they have to say, not, not trying to assert yourself and, um, <clears throat> and forge ahead without understanding. And that brings us to Proverbs 25, and it says that the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. <clears throat> what I want us to see as we look at Proverbs 25, as well as James 1, 19 through 25 here in a minute, is that listening is a matter of the heart. Listening is a matter of the heart. And, and to break this down, we're going to see it in two different places. We're going to see a lesson about human nature here in Proverbs 25, and then a lesson about discipleship in, in James chapter 1. See, Proverbs 25, Proverbs 20 is really talking, in some ways, addressed to the king and the king practicing discernment and the need for discernment. Uh, 
to be discerning, to be able to tell right from wrong and to understand the perhaps the motives or the intentions of others requires wisdom, which means knowing God's word and walking in his ways, basically is what Proverbs describes wisdom as. Um, And uh, what it says here is that uh, in verse five, that it's difficult to know what's in a man's heart, but a man of understanding will will draw it out, will seek understanding. Verse six tells us that it's sometimes hard to tell what's what's reality from you know, from, from what's a facade. It says, who can, in verse 6, uh, many proclaim his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. It's hard to, to really determine. Many people will say one thing, but in reality, they're another. Thus, the need for discernment. And ultimately, discernment will tell you to pay attention both to what people say as well as how they live. Verse 7, really through verse 11, tells us that you can tell the truth of a matter by paying attention not only to what they say, but also how they live because the righteous walks in integrity. And it goes on to talk about the king who has judgment and uh, sits in judgment and uh, says, who can say I have made my heart pure and I'm, uh, I am clean from my sin? And it talks about the ability to discern weights and measures. And, uh, <clears throat> and then ultimately it says in verse 11, 11, even a child makes himself known by his acts by whether his conduct is pure and upright. Notice what he said earlier. Who can be pure in heart? Who can be upright? Ultimately, it's revealed in your actions. And God has given us, verse 12 says, a hearing ear and a seeing eye. The Lord has made them both. So for discernment, it's required both to listen as well as to observe, is what Proverbs 20 is saying. And and human nature, when it comes to what's in our hearts, it says that it is deep water. Uh, that a man's heart is like deep water. This is, a, this is a simile, a comparison that Proverbs is making. And this is common throughout Proverbs and other wisdom literature in the Bible. Um, and, but it's, it's interesting to think. Sometimes when we think deep water, we think like maybe profound. Like what's in a man's heart is a, a depth of wisdom and you just got to draw it out. I don't think that's, that's what's happening. I think this is saying that the the intentions of a person's heart are deep and difficult to understand. It's difficult to get them out. Uh, in fact, you can look at Proverbs 18.4. It says, The words of man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. A comparison uh, that's being made here, a commentator points out that both uses of deep water here in, in Proverbs 25 and as well as Proverbs 18.4 uh, have the idea of concealment, that uh, uh, the, the idea of, of the, the, na- the human nature is to conceal, not to reveal ourselves fully, uh, to withhold either in our words or our intentions. It's to, it's to conceal, but the wisdom is that it, it makes things known plainly and honestly and truthfully rather than concealing and holding in. Um, <clears throat> obviously, there are times where the Bible says there's wisdom and discretion. It's not saying that the, these proverbs aren't... Uh, you know, aren't competing against one another. There's wisdom in both, uh, depending on the circumstance. But at a human nature level, uh, the intention, the tendency is to conceal. And and what <coughs> uh, what what Proverbs is teaching us is that a mark of wisdom is the ability to speak honestly and freely, as well as listen with the intent to truly understand. Uh, that that a mark of wisdom is that we can speak honestly and freely as well as listen with an intent to fully understand. Lord Tennyson said, For words like nature half reveal and half conceal the soul within. 
Words like nature half reveal and half conceal the soul within. It's, it's part, uh, I think, of, of how we tend to operate in relationships and in conversation, especially depending upon our familiarity and our comfort with other people that we hold back or we conceal rather than reveal. And that it's wise, it's the wise man of understanding, woman of understanding, who's able to discern and draw out what's in a person's heart. <clears throat> it's not saying that you're going to be a you know, a trained counselor, a trained psychiatrist, that you're going to know how to parse everything that's going on in a person's heart. But, but I think with the general wisdom that Proverbs 25 is giving us is that to listen well to others, you have to be attuned to, to, to what's going on in their hearts. We have to pay attention to how people operate and, and, and what's going on when we communicate. And we, we all desire to communicate and to be known. And there's a, there is a biblical counselor named Ed Welch who uh, has written... Uh, a number of books. We walked through this book early on in the pandemic. We did a kind of a virtual discussion during lunch hour called Caring Well for Others, a uh, short little book. Um, I think it's like 40 pages, which is like it's a great kind of short little book, right? Um, <coughs> and uh, in it, he kind of gives some wisdom about how you can listen um, with a view to paying attention to the, to the layers and the depths of a person's heart. Um, here's what he says. When you're in a conversation and you ask a person, how are you? Obviously, don't do this like if you're just passing one another. And you're like, hey, how are you? Good. Okay. You know, you're, this is like I'm facing you. You're facing me. We're having a conversation, right? This is before church, maybe after church in a small group. Maybe you're getting coffee. Maybe you're doing lunch. Maybe you're sitting around the dorm and talking to someone. Maybe, maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. You say, how are you? You listen to what they say. Right. You're not listening isn't just waiting to reply. It's actually seeking to understand. And, and when you listen, follow the strong emotions. Uh, Welch says he says, listen for joys and sorrows, hopes and fears, and then take interest in them. Uh, when, when he says strong emotions, listen to, to the things that that people are talking about, that they're excited about, the things they're troubled by, the things they're looking forward to, the things that they're afraid of. Uh, sometimes it's, it's important not only to listen to what's being said, but it's also important to listen to what's not being said or how it's being said can reveal a lot about what's going on in a person's heart. But then when you listen, and if you want to listen well and care well for a person, enjoy the good things. When you hear things that are good, honoring to God, right and true, enjoy them. Point them out. See, this, this, the value of this is it applies to any kind of conversation. This isn't just about talking to somebody who's a Christian or not a Christian. Uh, this is about talking to people and how to listen well. And when you listen, notice the active nature of what's assumed by these points. When you're listening for things and then you're responding. And, and when, you, when, you have, when you see what's good, you enjoy what's good. And then when you hear what's troubling someone, what's difficult, have compassion. And the honest, the honest truth is the closer you get to, to a person, the more honest they're going to be about their trouble. And, and sometimes maybe the, the timing is right. God's at work. The, the door's open. You may be surprised by how honest somebody is with their trouble, and it's thrust upon you. Um, some of you are, uh, are maybe known for being a trustworthy person, and, and people will share with you. And when you hear what's troubling someone, have compassion. I also think it's important, that Welch points out, pay attention to significant influences, namely other people and physical circumstances. He says our bodies, our work, our wealth, our culture, other people, um, even spiritual forces are engaged in negotiations with our heart, either challenging our beliefs or confirming them. There's a lot going on in us and a lot going on around us. And when you listen to a person, 
care not only what's going on in their hearts, but care about what's going on around them. If they're talking about a relationship that seems to be uh, really defining much of their present circumstances, care about that. Go there. Tell me more about that. Tell me about that relationship, that friendship. If there's some circumstance and maybe they're feeling terrible, tell me how, how long you've been feeling this way. Press into, into those circumstances as well um, as, as those other influences. And then finally, listen for evidence of faith in God or in self. Remember I said that it's listening. We're seeking to understand with a view, with a desire to seeing God's work in a person's life. You see, a person, all of us are, are a mixture of both belief and unbelief. Um, that's true for the Christian, and we see it in uh, Jesus as, uh, as he's interacting with a man who, whose daughter is sick, and uh, Jesus hasn't come in time to heal her, and uh, he says he's going to come, and he looks at this man, he says, believe, and he cries out, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Like sometimes I believe, but it's hard. I have questions. I, I have doubts that are mixed in. Uh, others maybe want to believe, but have questions about why they can't believe in God or, uh, or what it means to trust God. We have this mixture of faith in God and faith in self. Listen for that, be attuned to that, and speak into that. That's what it means to, to listen well. You're, you're listening to understand with this desire to see God's work in their life. Maybe that work is a person coming to faith in Christ. Maybe that work is that person just taking the next step in, in the questions that they have about God. Maybe it's helping that person uh, address a particular issue and trust God in the midst of it. Maybe it's helping a person overcome a particular sin, struggle, or temptation. And in any of these circumstances, we want to be the kind of people who listen well, that it, this is what we're cultivating, that we don't just, we don't just ask how, how was the weather and um, you know, what was the Michigan score, and then on we go to whatever else uh, is next. Those things are cool. We can talk about those, but let's also care about one another well enough to, to push beyond those things, to press in uh, to real life matters and be the kind of person who does that with others and you'll put seven cups of tea out of business, which I, I don't want to put any business out of business per se, but I think it would be much better for a person to talk to somebody that, that really knows them and they could care about and see and that they know that cares back about them and isn't just going to hang up the phone and get an aficionado rating and go on to the next thing, right? Like we, we want to be the kind of people who do this in our everyday life. So, we see that listening is a heart of the matter, is a, is a matter of the heart, and and we have this lesson about human nature from Proverbs twenty five. But then ultimately we come to James one, and we have a lesson about Christian discipleship. We we heard it read, and so for the sake of time, I won't read um, it again. But James one nineteen through twenty five <clears throat> comes to us, and and we have this encouragement uh, to to basically practice what. Proverbs is telling us. In fact, James is, is often called the, uh, the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's filled with references to the Old Testament wisdom literature as well as the teachings of Jesus. And, and we see that James says in, in 19 through 20, basically, uh, listen well and, and practice self-control. Uh, restrain yourself from anger and be patient in listening to others. <clears throat> there's this, uh, this lesson about discipleship that we're about to learn, and we find him pointing this very thing out, that patient, careful, humble listening is pleasing to God. And when it says in verse 20, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Here, righteousness can mean right standing with God or uh, right living, what's pleasing to God. I think in particular right here, his point is that these things aren't pleasing to God. These things are marked by folly and foolishness. 
But what pleases God is, is a humble, patient, careful listener. And the problem is we have a tendency to be the opposite, right? We have a tendency not to listen well. Uh, <clears throat> I've been returning back to uh, Diedrich Bonhoeffer as a book, Life Together, and just kind of reviewing it as a few quotes have come up in the last few weeks. He, he has this statement about listening when he says, the first service that one owes to others in the fellowship in the body of Christ consists in listening to them. Just as love to God begins with listening to his word, so the beginning of love for others is learning to listen to them. It's God's love for us that he not only gives us his word, but that he also lends us his ear. So it is his work that we do for our brothers and sisters what, uh, when we learn to listen to them. Christians so often think we must contribute something when they're in the company of others. That this is the one service they have to render. They forget that listening can be a greater service than speaking. To love others is to listen well to them. And, and I think as Bonhoeffer quotes that, in many ways it's consistent with what we see here in James because what's pleasing to God is humble, patient listening, restrained listening, not, not allowing you to be easily provoked to anger, but instead patiently listening and understanding. And he says then in verse 21, what do we do? How do we remedy our lack of listening and our lack of restraint? Well, work on your heart and listen to God's word. See what he said there in verse 21? Put away then sin. Put away this filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. He says address your own heart. Our, our need uh, to listen well is, is really less a problem of our ears and more a problem with our hearts. Now, I'm sympathetic to the difficulty of, of listening. I think I'm partially deaf um, and, uh, and it's somewhat comical sometimes um, <coughs> that uh, I think I have like slightly better eyesight than Emily and she has like significantly better hearing than I do. And so I think we're going to make a great combo in our latter years, right? Like uh, she'll, she'll need me to, to make it around, you know, to see. Uh, I'll need her to hear. Uh, it'll be a beautiful combo. Um, as well as we know how difficult it is sometimes to really hear a person, you know, when, when, when we, we have mask on. I can't tell you how terrible I feel sometimes in conversation where I'm like, what would you say? You know, like you got to lean in, you know, and how dependent we are both on reading lips to, to hear people. Um, it, can be, uh, <coughs> it can be difficult to, um, uh, to hear from a physical standpoint at times, but, but the heart of the matter is that it's really what's going on in here. That makes it difficult for us to listen to people. We're distracted. Sometimes we're talking to people and there's, there's maybe envy. Maybe there's uh, resentment or bitterness. Sometimes there's pride, impatience. All of these things are rampant wickedness that's in our heart. And you're like, man, that's like a harsh way to describe my distraction, you know, my unwillingness to look away from my phone and actually engage a person in conversation. Well, I think, I think the reason that is is we, we fail to understand how God has wired us and what he intends our relationship to look like. When, we, when we're not willing to listen well to others, he sees at the, at the root of that often is sin in our hearts. We need God to help us address our selfishness, our pride, our resentment, our bitterness, our envy if we're going to listen to others. Any of those things ever get in the way of you listening to others? Maybe even just distraction and desire sometimes get in the way. 
maybe you feel like, well, nobody's listening to me, so I, I'm, why should I listen to them? Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't intend ill will. Maybe you're just caught up in what you got going on, right? That there's not room to listen to others. It's not only addressing our hearts, or, or better yet, the way to address our hearts, James tells us, is to receive God's word. You notice how he says, not only address your hearts, remove these things, put it away, take off these dirty clothes, and then receive. Be willing to hear and listen with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You see, an ear bent towards God is essential to listening well to others. God's word tells us our need for salvation and God's provision of that through faith in Christ, the implanted word which is able to save our souls is that word which tells us the good news that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he died a sacrificial death, that the gospel could be summed up, if you will, as Jesus in my place. He died for my sin, bearing the judgment I deserved, and then he rose from the dead. Perfect life, sacrificial death, victorious resurrection. And when that good news is announced, and I'm humble enough to recognize I can't fix myself. There's stuff in me that doesn't even live up to my own standards. And if I'm honest, there's stuff in me that I know doesn't live up to God's standards. And I recognize I can't fix myself, but God's provision is through Jesus Christ. If I believe in him and trust in him, confessing my sin and trusting in him, you will be saved is what scripture says. Receive that word that's revealed in God's word to us. And God's word tells us not only of salvation, but also of what it means to live a godly life and how we grow as followers of Christ. There isn't a, a button that we push that produces growth, but it's the direction of our life as we seek to obey God's word that we grow. Here's, here's the equation for your growth as a Christian. Read God's word. Pray for the power of the spirit to understand. And then for that same power to help you obey. It's, it's in response to God's word that we grow as Christians, that we come to know Christ and that we grow as Christians. When God's word, when we allow God's word, that's the importance of receiving, right? It's one thing to, to listen to a sermon. It's another thing, maybe even if you're a Christian doing a Bible reading plan, you're reading through the Bible and then you're on with your day. It's one thing to read it. It's another thing to receive it, to have ears to hear. So in order to listen well to others, you need to listen well to God and his word. Receive it and allow it to change you. The truth is God's word gives us what we need to listen well to others. God's word tells us the truth about ourselves, both being made in the image of God, that we're worthy of all dignity and respect. Our worth isn't in who we are, but it's in who made us and who we belong to. What is our hope in life and death? It's that we are not our own, but that we belong to God. That's our hope. It tells us the truth about who we are as well as the truth about the world, how God made the world, his purpose in the world, his design for all things. And as beautiful as uh, who God has made us to be and who he's made the world to be, it also tells us the truth about sin, how things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. That we live with sin-stained hearts and in a sin-stained world, that we are broken people living in a broken world. Uh, Titus 3 tells us we've gone about our days uh, hating one another and being hated by others. Our, our, our world is broken because of sin. Uh, we see it in our own lives. We see it in the world around us. It tells us the truth about our sin. It tells us the truth about grace. 
about something that we can't come up with on our own, that we can't manufacture on our own, but that God provided us through Christ, something we don't deserve, forgiveness, something we couldn't earn, new life with him, something we can't manufacture, restoration. This is what God gives us. He tells us the truth about grace as well as the truth about hope, hope that can sustain us when life disappoints us, as well as a hope that can give us joy no matter our circumstances. In, in many ways, the Bible tells us, and we'll talk about this in a few weeks when we talk about sharing, um, the Bible tells us God's story, the true story about the whole world, some people would say. That's what the Bible is. It's, it's, t- it's answering the questions of, uh, of where did we come from? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with this world? What's, what's the answer? What's the solution? What's the hope? Where are we all going? What's the point in it all? The Bible's answering these questions is God's story. And do you know that everybody has a story? And so the, the, the point in listening to God's word and to others is to connect their story with God's story, with the truth of the gospel, with the truth of his word. We listen to others trying to understand what's going on, caring about them, not, not just caring about them for what they can do for us or, you know, or uh, for making us feel better, but caring about them for, for who God made them to be and what they're going through and, and valuing those things with the desire to see God work in their life. And listen, God's not going to work in their life based on you and I's advice. And some people maybe have good advice about various things. But it's not our advice that changes lives. It's the implanted word, which we're to receive with meekness, that's able to change us. So we need to be people who listen well with a desire to connect people to the truth of God's word. And then in it all, as I think about how to sum, sum this up <coughs> before we close, um, <coughs> uh, I found the same uh, author, Ed Welch, he summed up listening this way. He said, listening is a skill, something we have to grow in. Uh, if we have no agenda for growth, we won't grow, so that's why we're cultivating it. Listening is a conversation. You may feel like it's an insignificant part of talking to others, um, but <coughs> um, it's, it's ultimately the listener and their attentiveness that makes a conversation uh, what it ultimately is. And then listening is attention to a person or perhaps a, a group of people. It's, it's being all in. It's not thinking about what's coming. It's not thinking about what's past. It's, it's being there, caring about them. It's not looking at your phone. It's not being distracted. It's listening with attention. And listening, he says, is hospitality. It's an invitation. It says, hey, come, relax, speak, I care. Uh, it's, it's welcoming people in. And then listening is compassion. It's love that hopes to bear both the burdens and the joys of others. Uh, when you see listen this way, listening in this light, you can't view it just as uh, what you do in between waiting to reply. We have to see it as seeking to understand others with the desire for God to work in their life. So the question is, we, we had this document that we gave you last week. If you didn't get one, we'll try to have some more. I don't know if we have them any extra out in the lobby. Um, maybe there are two. So for two lucky people, you can get this or wait until next week. It's a grid to evaluate how well you've done this past week, to remember the gospel, and then to plan ahead. So the question is, how are you listening to God? How are you planning to listening to listen to him this week? Are you, are you going to open up his word? Not only see what he has to say, but also talk back to him. Um, Bend his ear through prayer, asking him to listen to you. Maybe even reflect, how has God answered prayer in your life? I was just um, reflecting even on our provision of this location. 
Um, back in May on a rainy day, I stopped by Cinemark just kind of hoping maybe to get a feel for what it would be like to, 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 to ask about using this space, thinking about how God's answered those prayers. Maybe it's another area of your life, a struggle you've had or a situation you've been praying about. Has God answered it? Maybe you prayed it and maybe you kind of slacked off in praying it and yet God in his faithfulness has answered it and you're like surprised, but you actually prayed it and you asked him to do it. You know, like we, we forget that there's power in, in praying. So how are we listening to God? How has he answered prayer? Reflect on him. And then where perhaps have you been distracted or neglecting listening to others? And how can you or who can you intentionally listen to this week? To, to put, a, uh, to put a, perhaps a name down or even uh, make a plan for how you're going to do this. See, listening sounds like a weird rhythm, but it's essential to what we do every day and that's talking to people. And God has put us in the places that he's put us and the people that he's put around us for us to live with gospel intentionality. Our hope is that God hears us, that he listens to us. He's given us his word so that we might listen to him, a word that tells us the truth about our need for him and his provision for us in Christ, as well as what it means to grow in him. And then he's calling us to love others by listening. And so our band's going to come now, um, and we're going to move to our time of taking the Lord's Supper. And as we take the Lord's Supper and reflect on what Christ has done for us, um, I want to ask that God would give us um, ears to hear and hearts to respond to him. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much uh, for this time. We thank you for the opportunity to to open your word, God, to reflect on our... um, our mission, what you've called us to, and uh, how you've called us to fulfill that, as well as our identity, and in the midst of that, kind of talking about these missional rhythms, Lord, we we want our lives to count for your sake, for for the sake of the gospel. Um, We're we're not interested in in just kind of going through the motions and just doing church and showing up and leaving and going on with our day or our lives. God, we we want you to use us. We want you to work in us and through us. And Lord, uh, here in a moment as we transition to the Lord's Supper, I just pray that uh, if perhaps there's someone here today who, in listening to this sermon, uh, they perhaps see their need for the first time to receive the gospel, to receive the good news of what Jesus has done for us, that, Lord, right now, uh, even before we take the Lord's Supper, that you would, you would lead them to a place where they would, they would admit, I don't have it figured out. I need you, God. I know I'm a sinner. But that they would trust you. They would trust that you have provided everything they need. You died in their place for their sin. And you rose from the dead. And because you rose from the dead, you have the power to forgive us of our sins, to to change us, and to secure our future. So, Lord, I pray uh, that anyone who's yet to respond to you in faith, trusting you as Savior, would do so today. And, Lord, for for everyone uh, who has trusted you, that we need to be reminded today of what you've done for us. That as we receive the Lord's Supper, that we would be reminded of your grace and it would compel us to go and live for your sake, uh, even listening to others with a desire to understand uh, for the purpose of seeing you work in their life. Uh, Lord, we thank you, and we ask this in Christ's name.